episode 248, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., season 5, episode 15, Rise and Shine. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, welcome to Welcome to Level 7. My name's Ben, Ben Avery. I'm one of the agents here who's here to talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, specifically Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because that's the show that started it all for us. It's not the thing that started it all in general, but the show that started it all for us. That's why we're podcasting. And when I say we, who do I mean? Well, I mean Agent Stewart. Hi, I'm Agent Tigger tonight. Agent Tigger. Oh, I shudder. Because I know I'm not going to be <laughs> tiggering at all today. Uh, and Agent Samantha. Hi, I'm I'm Tigger too. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> Judging by the was it GIFs? GIFs? I don't know what it is. GIFs. It is GIFs. It is GIFs. Graphic interchange format, not graphic interchange format. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sorry, um, I I just I, I, I just jumped right on that soapbox. Well, I don't have okay, a dog in that down. fight. All I have is a bunch of tiggers bouncing around my computer screen whenever I look that at Facebook. Tr- that and is tiggers a are wonderful things. things. Yeah, I'm, I'm and, not saying they're not. I'm just saying they're not. I guess I am saying they're not. But <laughs> uh. so, so so if if I am tigger and and Miss Samantha is tigger. What does that make you, Mr. Ben Avery? Today, uh, mm. today, that's going to make me Christopher Robin, the voice of reason. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, Samantha, he got around our our our, our plan. Oh man! Yeah, I, I knew where you were taking me, uh, but this is not my first rodeo, so we will get there. Did you quote me episode early? I did. I did indeed. <laughs> Uh, okay, so those of you who are just joining us, yes, uh, we are here to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is Season 5, Episode 15, and we are going to be talking about everything Marvel that has happened before this episode, or at least everything Marvel that has happened before this episode is fair game, except for the Netflix series that we haven't covered, which is now Punisher, Jessica Jones Season <laughs> 2, and Defenders. And why do I bring that up? I don't know. I, I, I really shouldn't because, you know, well, you, you mean, don't bring up the negative, right? You, you just stick with yeah. the positive. Maybe I am leaning more towards the EOR, but <laughs> um, <laughs> we are actually well, we have some spoiler um, related stuff to talk about in the news. Not that we're going to spoil things, but we're going to talk about the concept of spoilers as they relate to some things that are coming up and what our policy is. So. Um, so, are you guys ready to do it? We're going to do the news. Talk about that? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, Shield Intelligence Report. All right, Stuart, hit us with the the news. That's kind of not really news, but it's enough of a news item for us to talk about, so that we can use that as a segue to talk about spoilers as it regards something that's coming up. Yes. So the Russo brothers, who I am, I'm walking through, I'm watching Community, and I'm beginning to to fall man crush in love 
with the Russo brothers. Um, they have a great sense of uh, pop culture that I connect with. Anyway, so they released this photo on their Facebook page, um, and it's a it's a printed out page, a couple of paragraphs with a glove on it that that lights up with maybe some sort of Infinity Stones on it, and it says. Two of the greatest fans in the world were about to embark on the Avengers Infinity War press tour. We will be visiting fans all over the world, screening only a limited amount of selected footage from the film in order to avoid spoiling the story for future viewers. We will not screen the film in its entirety entirety until the Los Angeles premiere shortly before the film's global release. Everyone involved in the film has worked incredibly hard for a For the past two years, maintaining the highest level of secrecy, only a handful of people know the film's true plot. This is where I'm going to put a bum, bum, bum. We're asking that when you see Infinity War in the coming months, that you maintain the same level of secrecy so that all fans can can have an equal experience when they watch it for the first time. Don't spoil it for others the same the same way you wouldn't want it spoiled for you. Good luck and happy viewing the Russo brothers. Hashtag Thanos demands your silence. And I would add to that uh, our spoiler policy when it comes to movies and that sort of thing is um, we really wait a long time before we publicly spoil things uh, for the for movies because it, we know it takes a long time for people to get to the movies. When we're talking about episodes – we will talk about the previous episodes and spoil the episode we're talking about. When we talk about the movie in the movie episode, we will spoil it completely and utterly. We do have to spoil sometimes when we talk about something in uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode that references the movie that just came out recently. But we will be clear about that so people who haven't had a chance to see the movie will know as we're talking about things that we're going to spoil it perhaps more than the episode did. We don't know how tied in the show is going to be with infinity war. And so that may mean that we give spoiler warnings before we talk about um, certain parts of the, the episode. It may mean um, that we don't, we don't need to, Um, but we will be doing an Avengers infinity war episode and we will spoil it completely when we do that episode. But in the agents of shield episode that follows, we will not intentionally spoil anything from Infinity War without giving fair warning for at least a few weeks. On Facebook, though, and in social media, we just don't spoil things. And I would add to the Russo Brothers things. They say, don't spoil it the way you would not want it to be spoiled for you. I know people who don't care about spoilers for mm-hmm. themselves and who intentionally spoil it for other people. And... Those people are not good people because when I, I, I it, they're just intentionally laughing, being, but... well, they're, they're intentionally yeah. being mean, you know, there there's, yeah, it's, it's there's just a... being mean and that's not nice and it's not no. good and it's not heroic and it's not, you know, acting the way the characters that you love would act anyway, you know, it, don't be mean, don't be a jerk and we will do our best not to be mean and not to be a jerk. If we are mean or a jerk, it is completely unintentional. I promise you. If our show lines up with Infinity War, we'll be very careful careful how we talk about that. And if our show lines up with Infinity War, you're hearing me cross my fingers right now. That's what's happening. I believe that we are going to talk about it in this episode. 
<laughs> about possibilities. We don't know at this no. point. No. And so anything we say at this point is pure conjecture based on what we've seen on the screen of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say that I don't think we saw anything on the screen of this episode to give us reasons to be Tigger. I do think there table will be connections. Flip. I, I, I second that table flip. I do think there will be connections to the movie, but I don't think it's anything that we're going to be talking about in this episode after we play the sounder. And um, you should play the sounder now. Mission report. Episode 15 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. takes us on a trip through time, not into the future, but into the past. And it's How many years into the past, Ben? Well, it starts in the present day. Should we talk about that mm-hmm. first? Sure, let's do that. Okay. Uh, in the present day, Coulson gets assigned to his dorm room which is always a nice day. That first day of college, you mm-hmm. get your dorm room, you know, you're moving in. Um, of course he's moving in dorm. You get that weird dorm mate. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> I'm not going to. Oh, I've heard that story. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, goes into the dorm room. He goes in blindfolded. Um, but he has a, a little conversation with Hale and, um, you know, he finds out that Hale is Hydra and she says, I'd like to tell you my story and then you'll know it's time for S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra to finally unite. Which, um, <laughs> when we get to the end of the episode, I've got some questions about that. Like, Hydra, it looks like Hydra right now is just Hale and Ruby and robots. <laughs> and and then she's recruited since then Creel and Anton um, but right now it just seems to be Ruby and her and, and robots. Um, so I'm not sure that the, you know, the, the whole team up thing is as much of a deal for shield as it is for, for Hydra. Hydra needs shield more than shield needs Hydra, uh, as far as bargaining goes, but yeah. yeah but when a, a, past nemesis really desperately wants to combine forces with the protagonist. Mm-hmm. That means things have to be really bad. And they are. We're going to yeah. find out how bad. Yes. Although the question is how how much honesty is 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 coming out of her. Um she is Hydra. Hydra is made of murdering murderers who murder lying liars who lie um thieving thieves who thief (laughs) stealing stealers who steal (laughs) Um, Hmm. but yeah i I, i'm not quite sure how reliable of a narrator hale is but the stuff we're about to see is not hale telling the story it's actually flashing back to the story uh because we just jumped back to 28 years ago 28 and years ago, you said, Ben? 28 years ago. Do you know what year that puts the, the show? 1990. Or huh. it could be a little bit earlier than that because I'm not convinced that S.H.I.E.L.D. is has caught up but, to our present day right now yet. Well, it, it's an interesting thing because uh, 28 years ago, 1990, we've had, we've had it hit over the head. That Captain Marvel is going to be in, in the, the 90s. 90s. Yeah. I, 
it's a weird coincidence. That's all I'm saying. I'll take my Tigger hat off now, put it onto the side, keep going with your thing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this this episode is going to be worse than I thought. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll take right. that as a challenge. <laughs> Actually, all I remember from 1990 is uh, learning how to spell and tell time and to add and subtract. So <laughs> I was just talking about this with my boss because we were talking about some movies and uh, Captain Marvel's coming up. And I, I said, it's it's set in the 90s, you know, and um, I, I'd seen some set photos and they're wearing clothes that look like from the 90s. And I was just think, thinking back and we were just reminiscing about the 90s. And for me, that was... Um, end of high school and college. And I just remember people wearing sleeveless flannel shirts on their torso and then tied around their waist is a flannel shirt with sleeves. Uh, and then, you know, bandanas and, uh, leather, leather, uh, bracelets and, uh, just the different things that I remembered for the nineties and the nineties are coming back as a nostalgic touch point for culture right now. And for pop culture, right now mm-hmm. and i'm just thinking that's the worst decade to <laughs> to have as a cultural touch point like those i loved the 90s in the things that i was doing in the 90s were a lot of fun but as i look back at the 90s as a decade uh we we ruined that decade for people <laughs> like that was yeah. uh, and, and when i I mean, my all four years of college, well, all five years, I, I crammed my four year degree into five and all five years of college were just like right smack dab in the middle of the 90s. It was me and my people who made the 90s just look as bad as it looked and oh, <laughs> so bad. Oh, so you wore the sleeveless flannel shirt with another flannel shirt tied I, around your I waist. I did not wear a sleeveless flannel. Anyway, yes, we are in the 90s. We are possibly in 1990. We Well, we could be in 1989, 1988, yeah. depending well, on where we actually are in time with our show. And to be fair, they could have gone forward in time, although that's a little weird, but we could be later in the 90s as well. We could be. We could be. But bottom line, we're around 1990. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the things that I appreciate this episode so much. Uh I, when I rewatched it, this is uh, another episode that I felt like I, I just want to rewatch this one. Um, when I rewatched it, every segment, st- I mean, it's called Rise and Shine. Every segment starts with someone waking up. It starts with a, a close up on their face, lost style, and their <laughs> eyes opening. And so this segment, it, it's Hale. Uh, and and she wakes up to a voice on an intercom saying, good morning, rise and seize the future. She gets up. She's taking care of her dog. And she and then goes to eat her breakfast in the breakfast room that we've already seen because of uh, um, Creel. Little striker kid. Strucker. Am I wrong about Creel? Maybe. You're right about Strucker. It's That's, Strucker. It's Strucker, yeah. not Creel. And so Hale and Sitwell have some banter and um, Agent Sitwell, young Agent Sitwell. I was floored. Just Sitwell. floored. That's awesome. If I I'll say hearing the name was not something that I would find unexpected. But seeing the guy, now it's mm-hmm. not the same actor, obviously. This is, you know, a younger But they did a really good job of casting. 
And it, it's one of those throwaway things that, well, it's not throwaway, but it's certainly not, you know, bright light shined upon it. If you didn't know Sitwell from, you know, all of the other stuff that we know, it didn't you matter. Would be okay. Yeah, it, it didn't right. matter. You don't have to. It's a classmate. That's mm-hmm. the important detail for this story. But for us, yes, it's Sitwell. It is Sitwell. And the other thing that we're getting here, uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff that gets dropped, name dropped here. Um, but it's not just name drops. I mean, we're seeing these people. And so we see Sitwell. We see uh, Von Strucker as a young mm-hmm. man. We see Whitehall uh, return. Yes! Uh, yes. We see all these things. We are going deep into the lore. And we're also seeing... What was Hydra recruitment like? What was Hydra I, training like? I'm glad they have the branding, the Hydra branding on point. You know, that that's <laughs> it's an important part of it's an important part of training to have, you know, the logo plastered on everything and they've got that down really well. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you guys realize that this is Hydra Hogwarts basically? Totally. Yes, I did. Totally. <laughs> Now, I was and going also, with Hydra just, Breakfast Club, but yeah, 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 totally. I also wanted to point out that that dorm room is the same dorm room set for every character that we see in this episode. Yeah, it may not be the same dorm room, but it is I could tell on it's the definitely set that the, set. the exact same room. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, they're reusing well, it. Yeah, and of course. And it feels like that's, that's the reuse from, I mean, it's just, it feels like it's a redress from the bunker, from the, you know, from a couple oh, of seasons yeah. ago it feels like they've just kept redressing oh, yeah. that set which is oh, awesome yeah. and that means they're saving money and able to put money into you know like the actual story rather than having to redo the set every single time yeah yeah so we get some more name drops here as she goes to class and whitehall mentions many of the failed attempts to create a super soldier tells them that they're close to creating the most powerful man on earth because of the particle infusion chamber that they've created. And that gives humans the properties of some sort of raw material. And Hale impresses Whitehall with her look to the future because Von Strucker says, you know, we should infuse someone with the Tesseract, uh, you know, Red Skull's Tesseract. And okay, that's just, again, we're name dropping things from Marvel lore mm-hmm. that this is, Absolutely, a, a United Cinematic Universe. This episode is just pushing it to the limit, and it's 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 good to see. Uh, but Hale says we should instead look to where the Tesseract came from to find new new materials. We should look to space, and the Tesseract being an Infinity Stone. Ben, how can you not be Tigger at this moment? Mm-hmm. I'm just asking a question. Uh, yeah, because. I don't think we're going to see the Tesseract in our show. That's why. Yeah. And also, I'd like to, uh, I wish I could sit down with young Von Strucker Strucker and say, you know, if Red Skull was here right now, he'd be telling you about how the Tesseract killed him just because he touched it. So If he's actually dead. I'm not convinced. Because it opened up and it sent him to another universe. But Nobody... I mean, if there's no body, there's no death. That's true, but even even um, sometimes when there is a body, there's no death. But yeah. 
But I'm just thinking, uh, I don't think he's alive because he touched an infinity stone and he might be altered, but he's still human. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. Okay. She gets attacked in the gym because of this. It, basically two of Von Strucker's henchmen, for lack of a Crabbe better and, term. <laughs> um, we'll call them Crab and Goyle. Okay, uh, put heavy weights on um, the weights that she's lifting, uh, that she's bench pressing, and she goes, confronts those two guys, but then sucker punches Von Strucker. <laughs> and so this is where it gets kind of interesting as far as seeing just the machinations behind Hydra. Uh, the final exam has occurred that night then. And that morning, there are people who are very upset about the final exam, which was they had to kill their dog. Earlier, mm. earlier, Sitwell actually drops the line after we've seen her with the dog. He says to her, they've got you trained better than any of our mutts. They all have the dogs. Uh, now, this morning, they, they all don't have their dogs, but they're getting their placement. And this is that's their commencement ceremony kind of thing. Sitwell gets shield placement. What? Administration. Yes. Middle management. <laughs> uh, which is what she said that he, I'm going places and you're going to be stuck in middle management. She, she's wondering about her placement. He just straight up says, you punch the future leader of Hydra in the face. You're not going to get a good placement. Wait, how did they know that he was going to be the leader of Hydra? I think it, it's... Uh, it's about lineage. It's not about his abilities. I think it's about his, his bloodline. Okay. That's, He's a pure blood and everybody else. Are... <laughs> I, 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 that's the impression that yeah. I'm, I'm getting here. And it's the same kind of thing with, uh, with Werner von Strucker, right? I get them mm -hmm. mixed up. Yeah. Younger, younger von Strucker is, you know, was they're They're talking about him as the, the future leader or whatever. But anyway, Whitehall, brings her in to talk to her and she's excited because she thinks this might mean she gets to work on the particle infusion chamber. Instead, he's impressed that she's one of the few females to make it through commencement. Um, he talks about killing her dog says, I imagine it wasn't easy to sleep last night. And she says, yeah, because of all the guys who were crying in their rooms around me. And then he says, we see the future of Hydra in you. Uh, literally is what he's saying, because She's not going to work with him. She's going to be put into Air Force placement, and she's going to carry the child that we put into the chamber. Von Strucker is going to work on the chamber. Yeah. This is heartbreaking. Yeah. This is this is not an easy part of the show. Tigger, Tigger is sad now, which if you've ever seen a sad Tigger, you know this is bad. This This conversation is a difficult conversation, especially once you realize where it's going. Mm -hmm. And... Like, and to have it right after the the whole issue with the dog, the whole commencement speech with him, with her bringing the you know the empty collar and all that sort of stuff, you know, they've done this very well. You know exactly what he's talking about once it hits you. Yeah, yeah. This episode was definitely written after the whole Me Too movement. Yeah, it had to have been. So I, I think this is in direct response. You know, you that young girls um, at this particular age, I remember, even though I was very small still, I remember hearing this stuff, you know, one day you're going to grow up and you're going to be a mother. And, and there were times I would think, oh, what if I want to do something else? 
Well, and that's where I think I think it reaches beyond the Me Too movement. This this reaches into just she has she's made it through commencement. She's tough. She's clearly has the smarts to do the stuff that she needs to do. Um, she has a vision for the future that Whitehall appreciates in class. And then she's basically told you're you're not going to amount to anything more than your body parts. Yeah. But she is, I mean, that's her culture. And we, we come to find out she, well, we already know. We already know that she has accepted this and, and got, and goes along with Whitehall's plan. Well, I don't think she has much of a choice. He says she has a choice, but I think her only other choice is death. Well, yeah, it's to leave Hydra. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I don't think anyone really leaves Hydra. Not really. <laughs> Old Hydra agents never die. They just get killed. <laughs> yeah. All right. That is 28 years ago. Two years ago, Hale's daughter, Ruby, wakes up. And instead of a song from the 80s, we get a song from uh, that I'm just not familiar with. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, she's being observed and her assignment is being discussed. And um, I, I didn't catch the name of the guy that uh, the, the Hydra agent that that Hale is talking to. Is that the professor? Yeah, but it's not Whitehall. Oh, it's Steger. Okay. So Steger and Hale have a disagreement about Ruby's options. And, she, and Hale mentions that um, Whitehall designed her to lead. And then he just casually mentions Whitehall is dead. And as she has a mother-daughter chat about placement with Ruby... Um, there's some texts that come, something big is happening. And so she goes to another air force general who is uh, general Fisher. And he quickly gives her some information. Um, you are in charge of communication, go get this thing out of the place. And it's a transceiver that we found in Shatari wreckage. And we used it to reach out and communicate to people from space. The Confederacy answered and, and then it gets interrupted because surprise cameo boom number two the stash the stash comes in <laughs> the stash arrests Fisher but Fisher bites the poison hydra bullet and Hale is about to do it herself I think uh, she's kind of reaching for something and Talbot speaks to her and allows her to realize no I am not here for you um, don't worry, we're going to take care of this guy. Oh man, too bad. He's dead now. Oh, I wish I could have, you know, taken care of this guy, <laughs> but, um, it's going to be okay. We're rooting out all of them. We got them all. So I have a question for you And this. I, I was sitting there watching this. I was like, why didn't he have it in his teeth? Like the guy from, uh, first Avenger. Well, I, I, I think it just isn't as, it's maybe too convenient in your teeth. You know, to accidentally bite down on, you know, you're just eating some, <laughs> you're eating some calamari and, and you accidentally bite down on that. And then suddenly you die and people are like, was it the fish? Was it the ill-prepared sushi? 
or was it <laughs> something else? And it just and everybody it, starts checking their their cyanide uh, tablets just check, to make please. sure. Um, uh, I'll have what she's had. <laughs> no, you won't, because she just died <laughs> having it. That's right. <laughs> so anyway, that's. Uh, I, I think that, that that might be part of it. I, I don't know, but I also think. I mean, it, it, to me, it screamed one of those um, budgetary restriction type things. It's like we can't really make that happen. So do you just pop a pill or whatever? I will say it did feel low budget. Yeah, uh, that that this whole scene here just felt very small and low budget. Small was okay because this is a, a personal moment where. Mm-hmm. Talbot's coming. They're cleaning house. He doesn't know that he's standing next to someone else who needs to be house cleaned. But yeah, she goes back to Hogwarts and Ruby is arguing with a professor. She won't kill her dog. But the Hydra agent is pushing her to kill her dog because of tradition. You have to destroy your weakness. Hydra means a life based on control and survival as he says this a bullet flies through his body and he's dead and Hale says to Ruby now we're the last two and and so that's where I'm just interesting I mean Hydra is taken down and just like shield when shield was taken down and then there was the the remnants uh Coulson and and the team that they had and have now uh, Hale and and Ruby are the remnants of of Hydra. Yeah. So that's two years ago then, and the big the big thing here is again referencing we've we've had the Tesseract, we now have Chitari wreckage, transceivers that were found in the wreckage. Um, who knows? I mean, maybe um, Michael Keaton and his crew found it, and and then they gave it to uh, same thing. and they accidentally gave it to you know the hydra agents instead of the the shield agents who were working with shield but um yeah wasn't shield what was it it was uh damage damage control yeah it was damage control yeah but damage control would have been working with shield they had to have been yes but shield at the time was also infiltrated with hydra agents it would have been easy to slip something out of there exactly yep yeah Yep. And this guy had been working with it for, you know, ever since then, for, for, for years then. Um, yeah. So that's two years ago. Six months ago, Talbot wakes up. Now, he's not in that room. He, he wakes up, though. He's in the hospital. Um, he's got his gunshot wound from Daisy's LMD. Uh, he and his son are working on memory games, but he's been having outbursts and Hale is talking to his wife about transferring him to someplace better. And he has a really awkward outburst with his son and it's very tense. And probably for me, that was the most tense scene of this whole episode was him holding his son's hand, yelling at him. Um, he said, I was right when I said it was a cat, but it's not a cat. It's a tiger. He lied and just we have two very difficult scenes in this episode and this was the second very difficult scene in this episode. So he has this outburst. They give him drugs to put him to sleep. Then he wakes up in the dorm and, and like Von Strucker, he finds Ruby at breakfast. Uh, She ignores him and eventually he has an outburst and she physically dominates him. Um, 
although recently he you know he did just recently have his own moment of domination uh, where he dominated uh, Captain Crunch because he still outranked Captain Crunch. <laughs> um, they want information from him and he's not going to give it. But she says, let me show you what I'm working on. And we see the device. And this device is made to allow people to travel to the stars and meet the Confederacy face to face because, quote, a war is coming to Earth and the Confederacy is going to strike a deal. A war, you said? Okay. No. I'm not not bouncing up and down in my seat. I'm not. No, I'm not. The words are chosen specifically. Yes, I will give you that. (laughs) However, (laughs) however. I, I I'm not convinced. I'm I'm not convinced they're actually talking about the title of a movie. They're talking about an actual conflict that I don't think is Thanos. Stuart, do you smell something? I smell something. Uh, <laughs> what do you smell? Yeah. What there's nothing smell to smell a, here. I smell a war coming. It smells like popcorn and soda and MM. <laughs> which I will be you know, everyone in the world will be seeing this in like 20 days, 25 days, something like that. Yes. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the TV and watch a different war on our TV than we saw on the big screen. That's That's what I'm saying. At the exact same time. It is not, we are not, this is not winter soldier where we're going to, Okay, we'll talk more because there's more crazy. coming. There's more coming that they're going to show us. Anyway, um, right. Talbot confronts her. I love the confrontation here as he I just we've been talking about actors and and we haven't been talking about them enough, but our our listeners have been writing in and talking about um Ian DeCaster. Uh, um, and talking about um, Daisy and talking about how they're just turning in these performances for these episodes. Uh, Talbot, man, his performance here where he's he, he's muttering to himself what his thoughts are and then turns around and says it to the person as if they didn't hear it already, you know. Um, but he's oh, she's lost. You know, what, what flag does she fly? What flag, what flag do you fly, General Hale? You know, and and she argues, you know, symbols are irrelevant. We're fight, we're humans fighting for our survival. Um, he he calls her, um, he calls her and them squidbillies. He calls her uh, calamari matahari. He calls her. Um, uh, there's there's he had just a number of just great fish related zingers, you know. And they take him away, and as they take him away, he's yelling, "Phil Coulson is coming for me." Phil Coulson is coming for me. Um, now that was six months ago, and we all know what happened six months ago, right? Phil Coulson and his team disappeared six months ago. That's right. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I knew as um, soon as they said a war is coming to Earth, I knew, I knew you, Stuart, Samantha. I didn't. I didn't think it'd be you too. <laughs> you didn't think so? I didn't. I huh? didn't. Huh? I was wrong. I was, <laughs> I was. I was. I didn't think it'd be her. I didn't think it'd be her. I didn't think it'd be you, Samantha. <laughs> what flag do you fly, Samantha? <laughs> it's clear what flag you guys fly. Oh man! It's bouncy, bouncy, bounce, bounce. Did you catch that? Um, that um, Talbot recognized from the shooting that 
that was not Daisy. That was an LMD. He knew it. Yes. Yes. Because he's not yeah. an idiot. He yeah. plays one on TV, but he's not one. Um, yeah. I, I, I really do think, based on some of the other things we've seen with Talbot, that he plays the fool, but he is not the fool. Right. I mean, he didn't get to be um, in that position in the, in the Air Force for nothing. No. No. 24 hours ago, <laughs> Coulson wakes up. The dorm routine begins, but he shakes it up because he goes, he <laughs> calls it an Econolodge bed or Econolodge continental breakfast and gives it a C minus, changes the grade to a C plus because they have oops, all berries, <laughs> <laughs> which is good. It is mm -hmm. a very good cereal. Um, and then he just says to Ruby, when Hale's done playing games, I'll be in my room. And so Hale comes to the room. He confronts her about Ruby cutting off Yo-Yo's arms. Um, <laughs> this this is actually a contender for uh, final quote for this episode uh, because we are a homeschooling family. Uh, but he says, seems like a major strike against homeschooling. <laughs> but um, she says, why don't you let me show you what I'm working on? He takes one look at the device. Bad idea. But he goes into space with her. She introduces the alien guy. What is it? Konos? Kolos? Krokos? Kovas. 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 Um, she introduces Kovas to Coulson. And Kovas says, your world is soon to become a battleground. We will ensure humanity's survival. And then he touches Coulson's head and shows Coulson an alien warship that looks nothing like what we've seen <laughs> in trailers for Infinity War. Just throwing it out there for you. It, that is true. But my first thought when I watched this was, what does this ship look like at the end of Ragnarok? <laughs> it doesn't look like this. It, no, it I, I looked. It doesn't look like that one. Uh, okay. It looks like nothing like we've seen in, in any of the trailers. I know this because I went out onto their internet and looked at it. So. <laughs> No, I mean, my guess is that we're going to see more than one ship. No, they're they're talking like there's more than one ship coming, and then Coulson comes back and he says, "Well, so we're we're going to arm alien warlords," and and he says, "No, we we shouldn't be doing this. We're not going to deal with them. We need to fight back." And she says, "Finally, someone who gets it." She was planning to change the deal. Uh, she wants to put someone in the chamber, the particle infusion chamber. Ruby isn't ready. She wants Daisy. And then Coulson hears the description of the chamber, the destroyer of worlds. And so Coulson gives her a warning from his future experience. Don't let anyone go into that chamber. And she's like, you're an idiot. What are you talking about? I'm very disappointed in you, Coulson. She's very much the, the mother here still. You know, I'm very disappointed in you. <laughs> but she is not going to pay attention to anything that he has to say. Has him taken away. Ruby comes and talks to him, asks about the future and says, tell me how I failed. And he says, you didn't fail because it wasn't you. And she says, oh, so it was Daisy. Tell me where he is. He won't talk. And then she has Talbot brought in and says, let me let you. I want to I want you to see what happened to the last person uh, who who didn't talk. Talbot's brought in. He's no longer the stash. He is stash and beard now. Uh, six months of, of facial hair and. It's, it's heartbreaking. He says, I told them you were coming. <laughs> and then he says, I'm sorry. It, it was six months of this. And I, I told them everything. Mm. And then he's dragged away. 
was that guy that was living with the bears? <laughs> I can't remember his name right now. It no, my mind. I, I don't know his name either. I, I know what you're talking uh, about, but. But yeah, he's known for that beard. That's who I was. I saw the guy's face in my head, but I couldn't remember his name. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. <sighs> yeah. But I still think, yes, it would be awesome if the father figure that, that uh, they were talking about who came to the earth and after coming, you know, the, the earth was cracked, ended up being Thanos. That would be really neat. I don't know how they would dance around it, you know, with, you know, how do you do Thanos without doing Thanos kind of thing. But on the one hand, it's clean and simple to do it that way. On the other hand, two alien invasion type stories featuring two different alien invaders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's mm-hmm. how they do it. The Tuesday mm-hmm. before it opens. Maybe. Remember, they changed the, the so, timing of things. That's right. Okay. Ooh. So three weeks after. So yeah. <laughs> right. The episode, because it's still Tuesday in my head. The episode before Infinity War, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will return in, and then it flips over, Infinity War. So make sure you go buy your tickets right now and go to it. That's what will happen. That's not going to happen. <laughs> But that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be. And here's the thing. I, why do they why would they put all of this nostalgic stuff in these in these last few episodes without it pointing at something? Yeah, Ben. Yeah. Yes. You know what it's pointing at? I'll I'll tell you what it's pointing at. Okay, Ben. <laughs> it's pointing at a season finale. That could be a series finale. That's what we're pointing at. All right. Oh my! <laughs> no, this is That's I am you say being so. reasonable. This is not Eeyore. This is Christopher Robin, maybe Pooh at worst. But I <laughs> oh bother. <laughs> no, this is I am being I. You know who I'm being? I am Kanga. That's who I am. I am Kanga, <laughs> and I am just saying. We need to be. You're just gonna go through all the episodes, all the characters, aren't <laughs> no, you? Just the Who's ones who. At this point? <laughs> I, I'm just saying that the the yes, if they could tie it in that way, that'd be wonderful and be very interesting. I just don't see it being the case. I just, I just don't. So, so here's how it breaks down for me. I'm, I'm like ninety ten. Ninety percent of me is like is Tigger and bouncing up and down. There's 10% in, I'll call that the Eeyore part of my brain or the Ben part, whichever you prefer, in the back of my brain that says, you know, you're not, you know, it's not going to happen, right? Yeah, see, because here, here's the, th- here's the problem with Tiggers. <laughs> Tiggers get excited. Tiggers wonderful thing. Tiggers get excited <laughs> and they don't think things through enough right. and they end up at the top of a tree with a child that they have now endangered at the top of a tree. What weird uh, Winnie the Pooh stories are you reading? It's the first movie. <laughs> Tigger, Tigger and Rue bounce up to the top of a tree. Rue has to jump oh. off the, into the Christopher Robin's coat that they're all holding like a, a trampoline. <laughs> Maybe it's not the first movie, but it's one of the movies. It's one I of don't the, know. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't know why I immediately thought of a of an actual baby, like a human baby. Oh, not no. yeah, I, was trying, I, don't to, know I was trying to figure out when did Christopher Robin go up a tree with Tigger. 
No, no, it was Rue. It was Rue, and, and it was child endangerment. I mean, Tigger is irresponsible, and yeah. and and Eeyore is not irresponsible. So, I will own up to being Eeyore somewhat, but I I, I feel like I feel like it's not unreasonable what I'm saying. I think it's it's unreasonable to have to know that there is a world breaking event, possibly world breaking event happening in the movies that's happening in the same universe with a TV show. Uh, we, we can go round and round and round here. Uh, <laughs> we okay. can't. So uh, we probably shouldn't. Um, because I think we've, we've said, we've said our pieces, um, because we, I, we I agree with you, Samantha, episodes. it is much cleaner to just have one world ending event at a time yes. that involves aliens. I get that. I just don't think Thanos is what they're talking about here. And that I don't think they're going to be in conflict with, with Thanos or Thanos's minions or horsemen or whatever you call them. You know what really gets me? We're not going to know until about three weeks after Infinity War is released. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I believe, I personally believe that they um, removed, they put up, they moved up Infinity War knowing and in communication with the TV side of things. I personally believe that that's what happened. I think if that's the case that it's quite possible that that's the reason we had a break in programming that we weren't supposed to have. Absolutely. Is to line things up with the movie, knowing that the movie might be moved and yeah. Come to my side of things, Ben, come the water Mm. is great. Yeah. But you know, it's just the episode after, uh, infinity war is just going to be them, you know, Cleaning up, cleaning up junk in Wakanda. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <right>. So <laughs> sitting, so sitting between the time that we are currently recording this episode and the release of Infinity War, we have three more Agents of Shield episodes. Yes, which are going to be amazing and going to set it up amazingly, and then you're going to watch it on Friday night, and it's going to be amazing. We we'll find out. Yes. Okay. So now, present day, or as they say on the title card now, Daisy wakes up. May has woken her up. This is where and they Daisy realize. Daisy quotes us from last week. Yeah. Hail is Hydra. <laughs> yeah. She, they make the realization. Um, Daisy feels hopeless. May encourages her. Colson chose you for a reason. And this is where you get... May's biggest piece of advice. Take what you have and use it to your advantage. Daisy says, we have nothing. May says, we have a supervillain. They go to Fitz. Meanwhile, Simmons is helping Yo-Yo with her arms. And so we realize that the future Yo-Yo that we saw in the flashbacks from the future, who was helping evacuate some people out of a place during the event, she had arms. Well, this is why which we've, we've kind of predicted this, but um, she's they're, they're giving her working robot arms. And Mac tries to help Simmons with her feelings about Fitz. And she says, he says, it's not that Fitz is a bad guy out here. It's that Fitz was still a good guy in there. That was an interesting, interesting comment. And then Mac says to Simmons, Yo-Yo is acting like she's bulletproof. And 
Yo-Yo believes that because she saw herself in the future, nothing can happen to her in the present. Well, yes and no. Here's the problem. She knows that she lives for another 90 years or that she does still exist another 90 years from now. Problem is, Yo-Yo also knows that she suffers a lot yes. in that in, in, in between. So... <laughs> She's yeah, already suffering now. I mean, the, yeah. the suffering that she saw in the future is has started now with yeah. with the the just the brutal loss of her arms. Yeah, and but that's just the beginning because she literally loses everything, even the ability to die and stay dead in the mm-hmm. next ninety years, which is just terrifying. But I think she also might be holding on to that bit of hope that if she dies, they've broken the loop. True. That's very true. And so I don't know if I think Max sees it as she's acting like she's bulletproof, but I think you could almost take it that she's not acting like she's bulletproof. She is acting reckless with a death wish. Yeah. And it might be subconscious death wish, but that's that might be a part of it for her. Meanwhile, Fitz, Daisy throws Fitz against a wall because she rightfully so is very angry. Um Kind of rightfully so. I I I'm going back and forth here with with Fitz. Um, you know, he says I didn't want to do it, but you know, this is this was the right thing to do. And would you have let me? No. Okay. Well, that's why I did it against your will. Um, she says we don't turn against our own here, and he says you want me to remind you of all the times that you did turn against your own. And this is where Daisy then, I think Daisy is taking May's advice to heart. Use take what you have and use it to your advantage. He's going to go find Robin. Let's go find the fortune teller. Let's find out the future. We need every weapon we can get in this fight. So she's mm-hmm. going to go find Robin. She's leaving the base with her powers to go find Robin. You know what? I think if Fitz had actually talked to Daisy before he removed that thing from her head and said, in a few hours, this rift is going to reach the town above our heads. I think she... M- and that her powers are the only way to, to control the gravitonium and to stop this rift. I think she might have reconsidered it. She she might I, have. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think she would have. Because in I her mind. Would have, go ahead, Stuart. I, I think she would have flown off the handle and been like, no, no, no. What if it causes it? And she would just, they would have gone around in circles. And, and I don't agree with Fitz doing it, but I think it was the fastest quickest way to get it done and i think it needed to get done yeah well and you're looking at two different things here though um mm-hmm. in daisy's mind if i have my powers back i could destroy the earth so that's one side of it in fitz's mind he's thinking i give her her powers back and it saves the moment his thinking is much more short term much more immediate it's a clear and present danger. Her thinking is, I don't know what actually happens, but if I'm a part of it, I cannot have my powers. So for on the her, other hand, hers this is rift a, could have been the one to destroy the earth. So it's a, it's a no win situation. Truthfully, it, it is. And so this is one of those where the hard decision had to be made, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but it it is tough because 
and and actually you brought up the me too movement earlier um this is definitely kind of riffing on that as well where this was yeah. done she was she lost all choice in the matter and it was done against her will once it was done she she actually went along with it and and fixed the rift because you know, with great power comes great responsibility. She now has the great power and she can do the thing that needs to be done, but it still hurt her and it still went against her, her will. And yeah. And that's where, you know, in a, on a less life threatening kind of situation, uh, I think of, you know, working with my own children and where I need my children to do something and it's best for them to do it, but in their mind, it's not what they want to do until it's their idea, you know? And so you right. walk that tightrope of this is what has to happen. Do I force the issue and make them do it or do I let them have the choice and wait for them to do it? And with the possibility that's not going to get done. And I think, I think if Fitz had come to the realization at a time with enough time to make his case, he might've gone down the road of, you know, I will convince her. We'll come up with a solution to, you know, take away her powers again or something. But I think he was up against a hard place and had to make, like you said, had to make the tough call. I think that's where it came from. It wasn't necessarily, I can do this because I can. It was, I don't have time to convince her otherwise. Yeah, there's a ticking time bomb. Yeah, I think a lot of the themes in this episode is, or actually in the season, is having your agency taken away and mm-hmm. making the tough call. I mean, I think those are two big themes throughout this entire season. Yeah, agency of Shield is what it should be called. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the tag scene now. Simmons brings Fitz a meal, and she says to him, "I know we're going to make it because Deke." And Fitz says, ugh, Deke. But then Simmons says, it means you and I are invincible. She didn't say she was is, pregnant. <laughs> is that where she yeah. gives him the, the pocket knife or the, the utility knife or whatever it is? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And shows him the, the one knife that's his that looks new. Shows him Deke's knife that is the same exact one. Even more proof than just knowing... Uh, you know, the, the phrase or whatever, the doesn't matter how, how big your steps are as long as they're going the right direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Here's the thing that maybe – this is what it made me think of. When, the, when they're talking about you and I are invincible because we've seen the end, I couldn't help but thinking about TV shows that end in cliffhangers because they feel like they are invincible. Like there's no way we're not going to be renewed for another season. So we're going to end in this great cliffhanger that never gets resolved. I'm looking at Stargate universe and I'm looking at (laughs) agent Carter. And in some ways I'm looking at inhumans too, Um, which boy, boy, howdy inhumans ties into this thing so well. Like, were they, yeah. 
I mean, the things that they're talking about, the things that is, you know, the thing that is coming, you know, and, and the, the bunker that they have on the moon to be protected from the thing that is coming and all this stuff. And the fact that one of the resources that the Confederacy wants is gravitonium, yes, and in humans. I'm wondering, I don't think I'm right, but I'm wondering if the long game that they were playing was not for a season two of Inhumans, but if the long game that they were playing was to tie in, I mean, basically by doing Inhumans, they got an extra eight episodes to sure. to lead up to what's going to happen in the last few episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then possibly Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. ends here and Inhumans launches out of it into its own series with with a regular season uh, length. And now that's not going to happen. And so maybe we get another season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of the failure of Inhumans to get an audience. If only Inhumans had like better writing, better production, <laughs> better just about almost everything. Um, I still think that the cast. I still think the, the characters yes. were really strong, and I still think the cast did an excellent job. The cast was very strong. The oh yeah, character potential was very strong, but yeah. uh, potential squandered in, in a lot of yeah. ways. But the things that they were setting up in Inhumans feel like the things they're setting up here right now in this episode. Yeah, we could still see some of those characters later. From Inhumans, I, maybe if there's a in Agents of Shield season six, I would which say we haven't heard a thing about yet. <laughs> right, right. If Inhumans ties into the last few episodes of this season, so we're in episode fifteen. So there's what seven more episodes in the season, and if they tie it in, I would just that would feel so epic. It would just a, a TV epic, not Infinity War epic. Uh, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show epic. Um, uh, that'd be really, oh man. The possibility. You you are you are I'm right e now e e <laughs> ER with the stripes painted on him. Yeah, yeah. Man. And being like bounced down the road with Tigger. <laughs> All right. We, after this episode, we've got to find a different metaphor to use um oh no i love this one <laughs> i know i know but we've used it a lot and you know tried and true ben tried and true it works uh, it, it works because it works but mm -hmm. yeah anyway also take a moment to uh talk about fit saying deke there's a we're related to deke yeah. <laughs> uh, betty's deke yeah <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Just get over it. It'll be okay. <laughs> he he needs time to process. Yeah. You know? Also, I did some math. Okay. I so, wondered. I wondered if this was going to come up. Okay. So, <laughs> field agent boyfriend, my boyfriend, is the oldest of nine. His youngest sibling is 20 years younger than he is. I'm thinking... Say Deke's mother is the youngest of a whole bunch of children that Gemma and Leo have. And say she's born 20 years from now. Okay, so she, um, Deke's mother was about, could have been, let's see, okay, so 20 years in the future. And say Deke's mother was born 20 years into the future. Then when she's 
35, she has a baby, Deke. And then jump ahead another 35 years, Deke meets up with S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay, that makes sense. So there you go. Will you allow me, though, to say one thing? Okay. And that is, you got to say to yourself, it's just a show. (laughs) You should really just relax. Um, And the other thing I would say is... Mystery Science Theater 3000? Yeah. yeah. The other thing I'll say is the, the baby in Simmons' belly is Deke's mom. Okay. Just and, and the reason I say that is okay then. <laughs> no, it's it's just clean television. Yeah. You know, yeah. through line. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. But maybe, yeah. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts here about this episode before we move on to thoughts from other people about this episode? Um, my main thought that I had that I wanted to make sure we talked about was I love the style of this episode. The the repetition. Um, the cyclical nature of it and then the time aspect of it where you get to see what's going on just off screen from what we saw going on two seasons ago. And the only thing I want to say is um, I I don't understand. It is a weird concept to me to have all of these Easter eggs laid in if you're not going to cash in on the hashtag it's all connected thing. I, I think I think you're right to a point, except that they are cashing in. Like just using them is what they're cashing in on. They're they're cashing in on the it's all connected and just stopping there. Time will tell I mean, if I am correct tell, or not. Time time will tell. Well, let's talk about other people's thoughts. Shield field report. Okay, so it is just Sam and I now um, in in the process of uh, playing that sounder, <laughs> that two seconds. Um, we had a short conversation. Stuart had to bow out. Uh, and yeah, so we're going to finish out this episode with our feedback. And then post-credit, we're going to talk a little bit about X-Files, I think. How's that sound? Okay. All right. Sounds fun. So first we have from Agent Dallas, subject is Secret Warriors. And he says, with this episode of Principia, we see that Hale is creating a team. However, we see that Ruby is possibly going to turn on Hale. As of this episode, we have two of the three being children of villains. And if you count Daisy, there's three of four. Also, we saw that Ruby is a fan of Daisy. That being said, we also don't know Ruby's type of fandom. But we could see Ruby take Hale's team to Daisy and have her lead. At the end of the season, they could establish that S.H.I.E.L.D. still lives, the Secret Warriors are alive, and it not really mean anything for the future of the show. They could have them show up in other TV shows or possibly the movies, and if they wanted to continue the series, then, well, we have a starting off point for season six. Then he goes on in another message to talk about the next episode after that. He says, I'm going to say it here. Has to be one of the best, if not the best episode of the series. First off, I have to say the season has shown off the po- the abilities of every single one of our main actors so far. I feel as if the season has pushed these actors to bring forth every emotion known to humankind. This episode is one of those with Ian DeCaster, uh, DeCaster, DeCasticker, De- 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 ah, DeCasters, <laughs> yeah, uh, taking it home with his performance. <laughs> Genius to have fight clubbed us when the audience. That's that's the reference, Samantha. That's that's the reference. Genius to have fight clubbed us when the audience knows that there are manifestations popping up randomly. I didn't see that coming. 
one of the best reveals to date. Ian's performance and Fitz's storyline had me captivated the entire episode. I can honestly say I didn't care what else was going on. He had one of the best character developments in this episode. Uh, episode possibly of the series to have him act as the anxiety ridden fits from season one against the stoic fits we saw in season five was incredible sorry there just isn't enough great things to say about this episode so good as for the other plot in this episode none of it really shocked me i will say when what where why and how is hydra still around which we just found out I would have been okay without this development and would have been more pleased with a different organization in the Marvel comics universe. Give me aim hammer sword. I was hoping Hydra was done with. And that's from agent Dallas. Yes. Fight club is the, we should have said it. We didn't, we should have, should have gone there, but that is the, yeah. That is the best when we, we talked about all those different. We've seen it in this before. We've seen it in this before. We've seen it in this before. And yeah, Fight Club. Oh, well. Yeah, but Andy Castor was not having scenes with Brad Pitt. So I didn't catch that. <laughs> well, but the I mean, the Fight Club thing is that you don't really know what's truly True. going on. Right. And, and, and that these conversations that are happening, uh, they're able to get away with it in the, in the episode that we had, because we knew that there were fear manifestations. And so we're thinking that he's talking to a fear manifestation. And in reality, the person he's talking to is just in his head and no one else can see it, which is spoiler alert for fight club. But there's, there's some similarities there. So, yeah, yeah. So as for Ruby and her type of fandom, (laughs) her type of fandom, I think it may be she's excited to possibly go toe to toe with Daisy. That may be it. And yeah, yeah, that may be it. Uh, Okay. So this one is from Agent Coco and the subject is sad, sad agents. Uh Oh, In my 100th episode feedback, I talked about how Chloe Bennett acted her whole face off. This week, the grand prize goes to my boy, Ian. Pew boy, he put his foot in it. Incredible. The look on his face right after he opens his eyes and noticed that the doctor was not there and the scalpel was in his hand was acting gold. He displayed that weird sensation of feeling fractured and then together again in a way that felt so real. Technically, story-wise and presentation, I thought this episode was almost perfect. They had set us up from the episodes back about the fears and even the teaser helped to plant the seed of seeing the Doctor in this way. Of course, everyone is afraid of the Doctor, especially Fitz. I thought it was weird that Fitz never shot him, but still it it was offered as some good tension. Putting on my feminist overprotective of women characters cap... I can't help but feel a little annoyed at seeing Daisy tortured yet again. At least once a season, her body is violated in these weird weird ways where she is manipulated by people that are supposed to be on her side. Unlike the characters, she doesn't have a love interest to care for her in a specific way. Yo-Yo has Mac, Gemma has Fitz. It really stunned me that she seemed to be in agreement with what he did, and May has Phil. Daisy is somewhat of an outlier, which I like, but I feel... Like over the seasons, she has been through a lot of extreme trauma for her to be betrayed by one of her closest friends and then have her body violated in this way was just heartbreaking. I really wonder how the team will feel like a family after this. It was just sad. Maybe 
because I binge watched the first three seasons, I'm oversensitive and overthinking. What was also sad was that look on Mac's face when he reached for Yo-Yo's hand. Like I said, this show is my This Is Us. It makes me feel too many feels. I guess that's okay, even though it's sometimes unexpected, so here's to being human. This episode made me think a lot about forgiveness. Anyway, ramble over. Have a great week. Agent Coco out. You know, we've talked about that um, in previous episodes with Ward. Is he redeemable and is he forgivable? And I guess we should maybe be having some of the same conversations about, about Fitz here. Is how does he get redeemed? And is would Daisy be able to forgive him? Should she forgive him? Um. My answer for should she forgive him is is yes, but that comes from that Judeo-Christian ethic of just the the idea of of forgiveness as such a deep part of that relationship with man and God. Um, and even I believe personally that you have to just on a psychological level, you need to be able to forgive people who don't even ask for forgiveness because – You've got to let things go uh, because otherwise you're just, it's just going to eat you alive. That The bitterness can just eat you alive, take you down and take you into places that you don't want to go. But yeah. Um, and uh, forgiving those who don't want to be forgiven, who still think they're right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's, that's one of the hardest things to do sometimes. It is. It's not just hard. It's, it's sometimes just yeah. almost impossible. But yeah, and and but that forgiveness is not for you to help them for, be be feel yeah. better. That forgiveness is for you to help yourself to to heal yeah. and and to feel better. And and I I do believe that there needs to be some form of of healing between D- Daisy and and Fitz. Um, yes, but it's not. Hopefully. It's not going to be easy. And when I say hopefully, I mean just from a story sense that they're not going to just somehow, oh, okay, it's okay. Like they did yeah. with, with Coulson where, <laughs> yeah, we talked about it a little bit. Now it's okay because we have to move on to other things in the story that, that we have to get to. And, and we need Daisy back home to do it. So, Yeah. And, oh, just because you forgive somebody who isn't asking for forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean you always have to be around that person. No, no, it, yeah. it does not at all. Um, and in Sometimes fact, in, that, in it, those situations, it's best to stay away from that person as much as yeah. possible. Yeah, so. and, and and I would say, I mean, if, if we're talking, you know, if we're doing the, the whole counseling thing here, yeah. um, in some cases, what we're talking about or what I'm talking about is something you do privately and the other person doesn't even know. Um, necessarily because there are plenty of good reasons to avoid the people that have wronged you, uh, especially if they believe they did nothing wrong and would continue to wrong you and, or continue to hurt you or, you know, this is a a lot of this is is a private reaction to the situation and to the other person. Um, But there can be healing, like, especially when they turn and say, I'm not going to do this anymore and, and genuinely change or, or genuinely seek change. And yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. of it, a lot of what I'm talking about there just depends on um, good judgment and, and making sure you've got a, a good support that can help you walk through 
all that stuff. So, all right, serious counseling type stuff. <laughs> let's get rid of that. <laughs> let's let's move on. Um, and I did I did want to go on a feminist rant about forcing Hale to carry a child that and that she really isn't all that interested in caring. But it's just sometimes I feel like I go on one too many feminist rants about the same things over and over again. So I just felt yeah, like yeah, but that's not. Yeah, I, I would I say like that's that, not that a feminist rant. I, I would say that that would be a humanist rant. I mean, that's yeah. that's not a – it's a feminist rant in that it deals specifically with things that can, can only be done with females as far as – you can't artificially inseminate a, a man. I mean, I, I guess right. you can. Technically, there are ways to get around it. But um, yeah, so in that in that regard, yes, it's a um, exclusively female situation, but that is – Hydra's evil, though. I mean, that's yeah. that's the the point here. I, I I think there's a lot of stuff in this episode that Hale tries to say. Hydra's doing the right thing here. Symbols don't matter, but I'm still going to call myself Hydra, and I'm still going to you know we're saving the world from aliens. Um, but she's holding on to a symbol that caused her to do, you know, to kill a dog that she raised. And to, um, you know, be forced into the situation. Then she brings up another thing that, that just takes the conversation in a completely different direction. If she had been an astronaut or done other, you know, done things differently, she wouldn't have Ruby. Um, I I think she does love Ruby and, you know, it's, there's a whole nother line of thought that we can get, get into there, but this is already a long episode. So (laughs) let's. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of Agent Coco, we actually have a voicemail from her where we hear her speak. Okay. Hey, guys. It's Agent Coco calling in to give feedback on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episode Rise and Shine. So my favorite thing about this episode was the title. <laughs> I really like uh, how it kind of connected to the plot. Um, meeting Baby General was was cool. At first, I was kind of like, uh, I don't want to know about Hale. But I definitely got uh, caught up and invested in her girl power story and just being kind of trapped in this situation of indoctrinated into Hydra mindset from a young age. So here goes Marvel once again, making me feel empathy for the villain, which is awkward because she's the reason why Yo-Yo doesn't have arms. At least her daughter's the reason it's connected to her. So anyway, um, I feel a little empathy for Hale now, but she's still a bad guy. She's still a bad guy. And her daughter is also kind of trapped in this situation, but also still a bad guy. So don't really know about trusting them and like taking their word and collaborating with them as a team. Not really not really feeling that idea and so we're still playing around with time this time loop 
now Fitz knows that Deke is his grandson and was kind of mean the way he talked about Deke, considering all that Deke has done for the team. So maybe that was the Leopold part of him coming out. You know, it was very insulting to Deke's character. He saved the team multiple times. He found you rings for your wedding. You shouldn't say negative things about Deke. Now he's your grandson. So we didn't see him this episode, which is fine. Uh, It was good to get a little break from his, like, frantic personality. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to next season. Um, Not next season, sorry, next episode. (laughs) And I, I like this one. All right. Well, I I I don't know if that is the Leopold that is responding to Deke or if it's just Fitz. He needs time to process and Deke really annoys him. And I there are some people in my life that I can think of that if I found out that they were my grandson from the future, uh, it would take me some time to process and to to be able to accept um, because they're annoying, you know, (laughs) Now I I have grown past, and that's the other thing is Fitz is young too still. And um, when I was Fitz's age, I did respond to people, and sometimes the way that he does when I was annoyed by them. Um, as I've aged, I I don't do that as much anymore um, to their face or out loud. Um, in my mind, I might still be like, oh, you know. But um, I think we need to give give some grace to uh to Fitz. Um, he's he's under a lot of strain and Deke really annoyed him. <laughs> being under strain and being around people who annoy you is not easy. So maybe yeah. <laughs> What's funny is okay, so a few years ago I went through a really bad phase and the way I dealt with it was from you know that meme from a woman named um, Sweet Brown who she woke up in the middle of the night wanting to get some pop and she smelled something. It smelled like somebody was having some barbecue and then she realized her apartment complex was on fire and she inhaled some smoke and she said, what? I'm about to get the bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. I took on that entire attitude of ain't nobody got time for that. And so sometimes when I'm dealing with ridiculous people, I think ain't nobody got time for that in order to kind of deal with them to sort of like put them away or just, you know, put them at arm's length. So I don't get hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I mean, I I love sweet Brown. I I think she's an amazing woman. I've seen interviews with her after that clip was taken. She has such a positive attitude. Um, (laughs) and yeah, so I, I, have to sometimes you know, push him away but yeah so I understand what Fitz is going through it would be so hard to accept that someone I don't like so much is related to me like super related like grandchild right. related yeah not just right. not just oh they're your third cousin that you didn't ma- meet before no 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 it's not that it's no. right. alright well thank you Agent Coco 
Always a delight. And now it is time to hear from Agent Hank. His subject line is Cree Hydra Connection and Other Matters. Um, he says, you guys turned in a new podcast on the most recent episode much faster than I expected. That was awesome. So I ditched the draft response that I was working on, uh, sat back and listened to your review and analysis. As always, very well done. I would only add that Chloe Bennett and Ian DeCastiker De uh, really carried this episode, especially in the third and fourth acts. Honorable mention to Elizabeth Henstridge, at least emotionally so. You don't you didn't say it, but what Fitz does to Daisy is a metaphorical rape, and she is surely traumatized after that experience, as she should be. Simmons is processing a lot of what she had to witness her husband doing, quote, for the greater good. I'm glad Deke was present to give her the future perspective that they will make it. But Daisy will have to confront Fitz for what he did, and it cannot be quickly resolved no matter how rapidly they turn things around on this show. This was brutal and was done by someone she trusted, and it will take a lot of emotional healing to move forward in that relationship. As far as the tag scene at the end, of course the Kree and Hydra are connected. Recall, if you will, that the Inhumans were genetically engineered by the Kree to be weapons, but they abandoned that as a largely failed experiment. Then in season three, it was revealed that the origins of Hydra was that of a cult that worshipped an inhuman hive that was stranded on the planet Mavith. This inhuman was so dangerous that the Kree exiled him to Mavith in the hopes that he would never be found again. This is also the reason for the beacon earlier this season. Hive was attempting to lure the Kree back to Earth to exact his revenge. The real question for me is, how did I not see Hydra as a prom as a a promised adversary in this season. I mean, the evidence was there implicitly and explicitly. Explicitly, when Werner von Strucker, I refuse to call him Hux Braun, said that General <laughs> Hale used to meet with his father, Baron Wolfgang von Strucker, Hydra leader, anyone? Regularly. What was an Air Force officer doing meeting with a Hydra official? As far as implicitly, I submit three photographs, uh, which we're not going to be able to show on the podcast. So anyway, he has pictures of um hydra agents from the comics one of the hydra troopers from the first captain america movie and one of general hale's goons and they look remar remarkably similar i'll end with this question where in the world is robin her mother and hunter i thought they were going to hunker down at the lighthouse when fitz left for the future so why were they not there when the team returned this had gone on long enough uh, hopefully all will be revealed soon thanks and yes well, we're going to find out uh, where Robin is soon, uh, based on this episode that we just saw. But, um, yeah, should we have thought that Hydra was, was coming? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. All right. I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, this one is from, uh, agent Jason from California. Subject, Hydra High School, uh, be what we tell you to be. Now with more puppy murder. <laughs> so, uh, Love the drama in this bottle episode. Whitehall never seemed more evil. Oh, I didn't think about this being a bottle episode. Totally is. Okay. Hmm. Uh, Whitehall never, never seemed more evil. Strucker was revealed to be a bully with a silver spoon. Coulson, 10 steps ahead of every Hydra ploy, was fun to watch. They called out the evil name gag that comics make which is great uh, my favorite was arguing with the smartest person in the room and fits with the best comeback best episode without a fight scene also the shortest episode 
that surprised me when the screen went black. Uh, this show is building momentum. And then finally from Agent... Well, not finally. I have another uh, voicemail we're going to listen to. But um, finally, as, for, as far as emails, Agent... Agent Hedevoik? Something like that. Um, subject line is Season 5. Hey, gang. First, I'd like to thank you for the amazing coverage and diverse opinions on the Marvel TV universe. It is always something I look forward to. Now, for some comments slash thoughts. Coulson dying. I don't think he will die. Why? Well, it's been a long time since I heard this reasoning, but the writers for a sci-fi show, either Star Trek, Andromeda, or Stargate Atlantis, said they would never end a show by just blowing up the ship because that would end the show for the fans and they would be less likely to watch reruns which cuts down their bottom line. I know it's cynical, but they have a point. I also don't really want a show where it would just be Daisy. I think Chloe is awesome actress, but I don't think she can carry a show on her own. Uh, before I move on to his next points, do you want to mention anything about that? Um, well, it was pretty early on that the bus was blown up. Yeah, yeah. Or but Agents that, of S.H.I.E.L.D. That wasn't the end of the series, though like true this this he's talking about like they end the they wouldn't end the show destroying the ship so which i think for agents of shield that's sort of a representational metaphor yeah um, i know what you well, mean but he's talking about not killing colson because once colson's dead the show is done right and and why would we go back to that you know and i i can see that um so in this instance, Coulson is the Enterprise. Coulson is Galactica. Coulson is Serenity. Yeah. Although Battlestar yeah. Galactica did uh, end with them yeah. destroying the ship. Yeah. Um, and they were on Earth. And this is the uh, And revived, I have not gone revived. back to watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. I, I tried to start rewatching it recently, and there was a point where I was like, oh, I cannot yeah. finish these last couple of seasons. My wife just said that she'd be interested in, in watching lost with me and mm, that's another I, show i cannot go back and rewatch. i i i don't know yeah i i, I just don't know so yeah. uh okay uh the monoliths what if the kree were aware of the infinity stones and attempted to create their own version of these stones creating the monolith huh. just a thought finally black panther i thought the movie was mediocre <laughs> Thor the Dark World, <gasps> Thor the Dark World level of mediocre. <gasps> the story was, un- I'm sorry, I- I'm only laughing because that is the exact opposite opinion of, of everyone in the show. And this is why Ooh. it's good that we have other voices. And yes, so, but still, yes. oh, I, I feel kind of hurt right now. <laughs> the story was unoriginal, acting was bland, and the baddie was once again kind of bad. I don't think it was a terrible movie, but it didn't deserve $1 billion in the box office. Here's hoping that Infinity War will be better. P.S. Here's the question, Samantha. Do you think people are overhyping Infinity War, making it impossible for the movie to live up to that level of hype? It happened to Age of Ultron. And yes, it did. (laughs) Like... Uh, I liked Age of Ultron, but it did not live up to the hype of what we were expecting, having Joss Whedon return and all of the the moving pieces that they had and possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, I've said it before, I have a huge concern about having 50 leads in a movie at the exact same time, because I think that's just about how many 
main characters they have in this ensemble cast. It's it's yeah, a huge yeah. cast, and I, I, I'm just curious how they're going to handle all of these characters. I agree. And this and two. I'm going to say it. What two hours twenty minutes? Two hours thirty minutes? Yeah. The the the, yeah. the thing with that is there's a there's a difference. I mean, first of all, you already know, or maybe you don't remember. But we talked about how I was more excited about Black Panther than I am about. Infinity War. And I'm still yeah. not super hyped about Infinity War. I'm looking forward to it. I want I will make every effort to see it as soon as I can because I do want to see it. But I was talking again, this was when I was talking to my boss. I I was talking about how um Infinity War I think is going to be primarily just seeing all of these characters thrown into situations with each other and see them riff off each other and and you know do you know so we'll see um star lord and iron man and and how do they play off each other we'll see iron man and doctor strange how do they play off each other and they've earned it with this you know if this movie is simply a really good bad guy story and all the good guy stuff is just all these characters playing off each other I think that's enough. That's that's what I'm going in expecting and hoping for. And so therefore I I have a feeling that my expectations will be met. Okay, fair enough because all of these characters have been in previous movies. So yeah, that does help, but still it's it's a lot a lot to work with. It is. That is very true. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we got one more voicemail. Let's listen to that and then we will close this down and talk a little bit about the X-Files. Okay. Hey, this is Tim calling you guys to talk about Rise and Shine, the, the last episode of from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was kind of curious to ask you some questions at the end, too, to see what your feedback is on it. Things I liked about the episode, I thought it was kind of cool to see the young Strucker sit well in hail and um, how they kind of covered, like, patches of time, like, what was going on necessary in her life and how it kind of corresponded to, you know, previous episodes timeline. Uh, I thought it was really good to kind of follow up with Glenn Talbot because I was kind of wondering where he was, how he's kind of floating around and now we know where he's been and where they've been holding him. Um, and I thought it was also pretty good unless I missed it. And then you guys could correct me, but I did not know how long the team was necessarily gone while they were, I mean, they might've announced it as soon as they came back. And I might, because I only saw each episode once, but in this one, it clarified how they were, made a comment about, you know, we weren't just hiding for six months. They were like gone in space. So, and on the regular timeline, they were gone for six months. I was wondering, was there anything that was supposed to have happened in that period of time? I don't think so. It wouldn't have, I'm trying to think of what they could have possibly missed during that time that would have happened on Earth. It wouldn't have been Guardians of the Galaxy 2 because that would have been, because that's supposed to have been a little bit after the first one. So that would have been like 2014-ish sometime, but I don't know if you guys could, I don't know, think on that for me or something. Um, I really hope they're not teasing us about this whole Graviton thing because I'm a big Avengers nerd and reading comics since forever. And, uh, like, like what you had mentioned in a previous thing is Graviton's actually a pretty major Avengers villain. And I don't expect the agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to necessarily deal with them per se, 
the same way like the Avengers would. They could probably figure out something else. But I would like to see him because they teased him first season and he kind of was there and he was trapped in the Gravitonium. And now they're playing with Gravitonium in front of Nazi's show. That would be kind of a uh, misstep to me. In fact, overall, actually, this season, since it's potentially the last season, two characters I kind of feel they're not utilizing who, although they've been in movies, are good TV actresses. At least I like them, and I like their characters, are Sharon Carter and Maria Hill. Uh, they have a big part, you know, in the S.H.I.E.L.D. mythos in the comics, and they've been established, and there's a, they're a good bridge from movie to uh TV as well. I don't know why they're not using them. But I will wrap this up real quick. The question I really wanted to ask you guys were, okay, now, Daisy doesn't, apparently Daisy going into the machine, or this is what they're thinking, Daisy going into the machine that gives her that infusion power boost is maybe what kind of amped up her powers and why the Earth got quaked. Maybe that is what happened, maybe that didn't. But I think no matter what, she's not going in there. But I really think because the machine is present, Someone's going in there. So who do you guys think will go in there? Do you think it'll be the new young psycho girl with the rings of death? Um, like, who do you think is going to end up going in that machine? Probably, I think it might be her. Could it be a good guy? I don't know. But someone, I figure by the end of the season, has to go there. Otherwise, why have the machine been brought up? You know, just from a storytelling point of view. Okay, um, that's it. Thanks. Bye. Okay, so there were two main questions. Um one is what they miss while they were gone. And then the other one is who is going into the machine. And the one thing I can throw out for what they miss while they were gone is um, they missed Dr. Strange because they talked about when they came back, they were looking at like the files of that had been observed by the, the robot guy who was in the lighthouse and they mentioned um, Thor in New York which I think was referencing um, Dr. Strange. Uh, yes. And well, no, no. So they missed Dr. It, Strange and they missed Thor Ragnarok. Um, I think they're referencing Thor Ragnarok with Dr. Strange um, when in, in New York, when he's looking for his dad. So that's actually, that's correct for both because we first saw that scene at the end of yes. Doctor Strange, yeah, yeah. and then we saw it again in Thor Ragnarok. So I'm so. not wrong, thank you. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's that's what they missed movie wise um, that they could have referenced, but they didn't. They didn't tie in. Um, we went to space and into the future, which felt like the you know a thematic tie in to Ragnarok. But then when they came back, they're like, we missed we missed Thor. Um, he he was seen in New York. Um, not only seen, but some ladies took selfies with him. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other question, who's going in the machine if it's not Daisy? Ooh, this is the Chekhov's gun, isn't it? It is, totally, totally. And I'm not convinced it's not Daisy. It's possible Daisy's going in. But it'd be cool if it was Ruby going in and then that's the fight that we have that, you know, Ruby ends up going in against her mother's wishes or without her mother even knowing. And so she's all powerful and she's the one that would destroy the earth and, and Daisy has to stop her. Right. Or 
or Colson. That'd be interesting too. And then because what, Coulson, if, what if he goes in and he becomes this big monster? She has to take him down, and that's why Yo- future Yo-Yo said you have to let Colson die because they try to they all try to save him, and that ends up breaking up the Earth. So if he went in, he would become he wouldn't die, right? He'd become powerful and fused with whatever you know gravitonium or whatever, and right. then um, he is now super powerful and not going to die from his death disease that he has. But I realize it's completely out of character for Coulson, <laughs> but <laughs> it's a possibility. It you know, would be. We don't know what's going to happen in the future. We don't. No. I mean, we all want to know the future because the future is where we're going to spend the rest of our lives. But, <laughs> yeah. and there's, there's a deep cut for you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, or a cheesy one. It depends how you look at it. Well, it, <laughs> definitely both. I think uh, it's definitely one a cheesy of the greatest one. cheesy movies ever made. Let me just put it out there. <laughs> so, yeah. at any rate, um, I I think that we're looking at maybe Ruby forcing her way in, um, or I don't know. I mean, there, I mean, there's storytelling potential for almost every character. That right. goes that, that could possibly go into it. Um, yeah, any of them could go. Yeah, Deke. <laughs> I mean, he. I mean, what would his superpower be? Uh, annoy fits more. I don't know. What if Deke is the destroyer of worlds? I mean, he was so intent on um, Daisy. Being the, the destroyer of worlds, what if he ended up being it? Ooh. Kind of ir- irony. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, I think we need to uh, close this down and talk about X Files after the credits. Um, we do want to say thank you to Agent Adzi, Agent Andrew, and Agent Jeff uh, for being our patron supporters at patron patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. Um, Again, super appreciative of what you've do, you're doing by helping us out, um, and yeah, you guys are awesome. Um, to all the people who wrote in and called in, you guys are also awesome. Um, I'm hoping I'm using guys as gender neutral as possible, um, but uh, everyone who's listening, uh, thank you for for listening. Thank you for being a part of. Uh, what we do here because you're the ones who make it worth doing and we wouldn't be doing this. Truthfully, we wouldn't be doing this if, if you guys weren't there because it'd be silly. <laughs> we would just have the conversation. We wouldn't, you know, have the website. Let's put it that right. way. Yeah. So, yeah. But Samantha, here we are. And, uh, we lost Stuart. Um, he he had to go, and uh, yeah, now we're the last two. Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 
You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcome to level seven or connect with us on Twitter where we're level seven pod. And remember, the seven is spelled out. Our theme music is the light fantastic by JS Earls. And you can find that at transplant.bandcamp.com. Welcome to level seven is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award winning and award nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh with our clean comedy, delve into science fiction and philosophy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. And once again, thanks for listening. All right, season what of X-Files is now done? Uh, was that 12? 11? 11. 11. I think. It's 11. done. And um, I don't know if we want to talk spoilers or not, or if we should be vague about things. Um, I haven't talked about X-Files much on my other podcast. I have talked about X-Files a little bit with um, – actually, Hank. Hank and I have been messaging a little bit about uh, X-Files. Um, and then my friend Tim Barron, who – I don't think he's even watched this season because last season let him down so much. But I found this season really interesting because it started off so bad. Uh, I don't do you did you feel like it started bad? Oh yeah, I was completely okay. lost where when it started out because I <laughs> failed to watch the finale for the previous season. And it took me at you know about two thirds of the way through before I realized that. It didn't what happen. What was going yet. on? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, yeah, I, I will say this. Um, they did a decent job of wrapping up something that was almost impossible to wrap up from the previous season. Uh, I liked the ending that we got for Fox and for Dana in the final episode of the season. And I feel like if this is it, if this is the end of all X-Files, it's actually a slightly better resolution than the season, the series gave us in season nine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and in the season, I don't know if we want to talk about this. There's a big reveal in the, uh, ep- uh, the first episode of the season, a big, like ch- reveal th- that actually answered a question I had about uh, 18 years ago. Um, and then I totally yeah. forgot about it. And then rewatching <laughs> that episode reminded me about it. Should I talk about it? Say um, it out loud. Well, you know what? We're just going to say it here. Spoilers. Do it. Do it. Do it in a moment. First okay. of all, just the brief overview started horrible. I was very let down. The next episode was better, but not great. But then toward the the middle and the end, there were a couple episodes that were really good standout episodes, and then it ended. Okay, that's that's kind of my feelings about things. But I do feel like this season had a handful of episodes that were returned to form and just felt like I'm watching the X-Files again. And it took me back to to the 90s. (laughs) Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So give me your flyover and then we'll talk about what you're what you were thinking with, with with the spoiler stuff. I was confused with episode one. Episode two was like, okay, yeah, this reminds me a lot of um, Ghost of the Machine, which I think is a season one episode about a computer that was trying to uh, take over a company. Um, And then by episode three plus when I loved it, I love that one of the uh, 
actresses in the episode was playing her own twin brother. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that blew away my mind because between the makeup and the acting, I could not tell it was the same person. Um, then episode four, the lost art of forehead sweat. Oh, that was rolling in the aisle. Hilarious. I mean, it's just, um, yeah. And then it just, it went on from there and there were some ups and downs, but it, it definitely did feel like we were back in form with the X-Files. Yeah. 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 It it didn't end back in form, but close enough. And, and there was some satisfaction to the ending. Okay. Spoilers are happening now. Um, so, and we're just going to go for a couple more minutes, but, um, so if you have not seen it and you don't want to be spoiled, uh, we're going to spoil things and talk about a couple specifics with the X-Files season. Um, so Samantha, go. Okay. So I think it was season eight way back when probably what 1999 ish. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before Scully gets pregnant. Um, almost back to back or or within just a few episodes of each other. Um, Scully wakes up one morning and she's leaving Mulder's apartment. It's, it's assumed that they've slept together. And then a couple episodes later, um, she's sort of kidnapped by the cigarette smoking man. Mm -hmm. And I remember think, uh, and then we learned later she's pregnant and I looked back and I wondered, did the cigarette smoking man impregnate her or was it Mulder? Then over the 17-year stretch, I totally forgot about that. And then when it was revealed in uh, episode one of this season, just a few weeks ago, it was revealed that the cigarette smoking man is William's father. Through, I was reminded of that. Was it? Of that. But that was through artificial insemination, right? Right. Yeah. Um. Even yeah, though Mulder so, is calling William his son by the yeah, end of the and, season, which was really yeah. interesting. And and Scully was saying that uh, Mulder's the father because they did sleep together within that same time period of Scully being kidnapped by a cigarette smoking man. Um, and, and, and it since then it had been believed between Mulder and Scully that William was Mulder's son. But now we know yeah. that William's really Mulder's brother. Which makes brother. things really weird. Yeah. But, yeah. I... <laughs> Though if William could choose, I'm pretty sure he would choose Fox Mulder. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I, I liked, I mean, I liked the episode where he runs away and gets away. And then that they brought him back for this episode and it was the whole thing uh, cigarette shoot, cigarette smoking man shoots him, and then Mulder gets to shoot cigarette smoking man. Yes, and kill CSM, and then Dana's pregnant again. I don't think that's an accident. I think that is a miracle, and I think William allowed that to happen because he he has he has some Professor X abilities he has some serious powers yeah yeah actually I, when i when i watched that uh that episode at the end i called him professor x or or young charles xavier because he has some very similar powers and so it would not be out of the question for him to you know give the gift of being able for 
give his own mother the gift of being able to have children again. Right. Because she was, I mean, she was, she lost her child. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they gave him up for adoption for protection. And, yes. and this is kind of giving her, then, she, then they lost him again because he, Cigarette Smoking Man, shot Fox Mulder. You knew it wasn't him because of the kind of identity hiding powers that that William had. Um, when he fall, when, when as soon as he was shot, I was like, "Oh, they just shot William," you know. Yeah. But, but that meant they lost William again. And yeah. Then they end it in such a way that we can be done with X Files forever, and I'll be fine with it and happy with it. Yeah. And. But they also end it in such a way that they could continue because William is not dead. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't think they're going to continue. I, I think they're going to end here. I think it's a good idea for them to end here. Yeah. Um, there's just, there is some real stinkers. And there were stinkers in the original series too. Oh yeah. But there were some real stinkers in, in this series, but the gold that they gave us was fun and and I really appreciated it and enjoyed it. And there were some episodes where I was just like, oh my goodness, I am watching X-Files again. And yeah. I feel like I feel like I am sitting on the floor of the apartment with um my friend and his girlfriend not watching the show, but I'm watching the show, you know, because <laughs> I thought I was getting invited to an actual X-Files uh viewing party, and instead I was getting invited to him and his girlfriend. Um, who had just become boyfriend and girlfriend and were really enjoying being boyfriend and girlfriend. And I was just enjoying watching the X-Files. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> I was back I in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was cheesy was at the end of season nine, the original ending to the X-Files series. I mean, he had a missile fired at him as he was dying of cancer. He was on fire. I mean, it was pretty clear that he died. I don't know how anyone would survive that. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so overall, right. uh, these last two seasons, there was good. There was some bad. Didn't need to do it. Don't mind that they did. That's my overall. What's your overall? I wouldn't I would understand if they don't bring it bring back the show. Um and Jillian Anderson has said already that she's not coming back for season 12, though it has been largely speculated it's because she's in contract negotiations over um uh pay because apparently she's still not being paid as much as David Duchovny. Well, I thought they'd um, taken care of that for this season. Maybe not. Maybe maybe not. I don't know, but um, from what I understand, it's it's all over. It's all because of contract negotiations. So there is no season twelve, from what I understand at this moment. But that may change in time. But I, I feel satisfied leave, leaving it where it is. Me too. Don't need to resurrect it again, like they did with Cigarette Smoking Man. <laughs> oh, please no. Yeah. If they bring it back, I'll, I'll be okay. But. Yeah, just don't bring back the cigarette smoking man. He is done. <laughs> and he's done at Mulder's hand. And and yeah. f for with with 
I mean, Mulder struck him down with righteous anger. Yeah. Yeah. Because cigarette smoking man shot William and Mulder still thought that William was his son. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. All right. Very good. Thanks, Samantha. See you next week for whatever Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s episode is called next week. But (laughs) Okay. I won't tell you. I saw it. Oh, you did? (laughs) I won't tell you. I don't need to know. No, thanks. Okay. All right. Later. Bye.